This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We have a jam-packed show today. We are following up on those terrible nursing home murders. We're following up on the state of Yazidi refugees, people enslaved uh, by ISIS. And uh, we're also going to talk to former Lieutenant General Romeo Dallaire, uh, one of the world's leading humanitarians, about his searing new memoir. So again, uh, if you want to have your say, please get in line. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. First, following up on those nursing home Murders. A day after charges were laid, there are still more questions surrounding this. Elizabeth Wetlofer, the woman who has been charged, has been the subject of a peace bond after police told the court that they were concerned about serious personal injury. She had 10 conditions, including that she lived with her parents in Woodstock, observe a nighttime curfew, refrain from acting as a caregiver for anyone, and not be allowed to possess insulin or any other medication unless it was for her own use. Uh, All of these developments, very disturbing. Uh, We're going to go now to Wanda Morris, the uh, CARP COO and VP of Advocacy, and Jane Medes, lawyer with the Advocacy Center for the Elderly Ladies. Welcome. Well, hello. Thank well, you for having me. Well, thank you for uh, both of you. Uh, the question I want to put out, is this some kind of wake-up call about the way we view people in long-term care homes, or is this a case of, of perhaps a, a bad apple being able to get away with something? Uh, Wanda, let's start with you. Well, I, I actually suspect that it's a bit of both. Um, I think I, I wonder if this had been uh, children and sick kids who had been, uh, you know, maybe perhaps close to end of life. Would we have noticed if there had been, you know, seven or eight deaths over this period? So I, I think part of it is that our culture doesn't uh, respect our elders as much as we could. Uh, but I also think definitely there's an element of of a bad apple here and uh, a number of circumstances which which have made this case possible. Jane, what's your view? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that, um, you know, in a case like this, you know, could it have been prevented? Well, we don't have all the information yet, but really this is an outlier. But I think what it does is it focuses on the care that's being provided in long-term care, the lack of supervision within homes of the staff. So this person was likely the only person, uh, only nurse on staff at some periods of time. Um, and also, you know, how do we... Uh, you know, look at the deaths of seniors. So it's, you know, expected that, well, seniors are there, they're all going to die, and therefore if someone dies, it's just presumed to be, um, uh, you know, natural causes, and, and nothing's ever done. 
Um, and I think what we really need to do is start to look at things like let's do more autopsies or uh, more investigations into deaths in a, in a more, not just looking at the charts, but, look, you know, let's do some testing. Let's look at blood samples and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Now, it's interesting. You talk about supervision in nursing homes. Our producer, Dave Woodard, uh, looked up this woman's uh, entry on LinkedIn, and she described herself as a charge nurse. So uh, that meant that she would have been the person supervising if that was the case, depending on, you know, which employer she was referring to, correct? That's right. She would have been the uh, person in charge. Um, it could be at, it, I believe she worked a lot at night. That's what I'm hearing. So if she was a nurse at night, uh, I don't know how this home works, but in many homes there is only one registered nurse on at night. So that would, you know, she may have been the only person and she would have been the person in charge for the whole home if she was working at night. During the day, you're going to have, most homes will have more than one nurse, and then you'll also have a director of nursing who's also a nurse who's a management person, um, and obviously more people. But at night, um, that nurse may be the only, only person in charge. Wanda, do we need to add staff at night? Is, uh, is that one approach? What do you think? You know, I think we have to be careful about making a, a, a knee-jerk reaction to this. We, uh, we need to find out the facts, see what the problems were. I mean, there are already a number of controls in place. There are there's a fair amount of regulation that uh, impacts long-term care facilities. And, for example, you know, with medication, with drugs, all pills and tablets are meant to be accounted for. So I, I'm not sure that, that further rules are required. Uh, I, I think we, we need to wait for the facts and see where the break down occurred. Uh-huh. Uh, now, Wanda, you came out uh, with a statement and you talked about how people in nursing homes are viewed as, and I quote, less than. You know, I, I think, unfortunately, uh, we do not uh, revere our elders as, as uh, in Canada as much as, as some other cultures do. And, and in fact, I've heard very disparaging comments about people being you know, warehoused in, in long-term care facilities. I think sometimes people um, lose connection with their families and are, are left there. There's understaffing, and, and we've just come to tolerate this. And unfortunately, I think what's happened is a bit of a symptom of, of this, this cultural reality. Uh, Jane, a, a fair a number of people in long-term care homes suffer from dementia. How much does that play into this, and, and what should we be doing? So it does play into it a lot, because you're dealing with a very vulnerable population who can't speak up for themselves. And the care that they're getting is generally in private, right, so behind a curtain or in their room. Um, and they can't speak up for themselves. Um, they can't tell you if they're getting a wrong medication. Uh, they can't tell you if they're getting the right medication. Um, and this is part of the issue. It, it's, it's symptomatic of a broader problem around, say, for example, medication, where, yes, there are lots and lots of rules, um, and there's lots of rules about things like consenting to medication and what medication people should have, but they're not always followed. And that's the big conundrum, is that you can't be sure that the medication that your parent is getting, for example, is the medication that you know about, because they give medication without consent. Um, and, you know, you or I or somewhere, we would say, hold it, that's not my medication. These people can't do that. So they're not able to speak up for themselves in many cases. 
I've I've also seen concerns about things like um, you can't be sure, for instance, if uh, the person in the facility needs to get pureed food because, again, people with dementia often have trouble uh, swallowing. Uh, you don't know if they're getting a sandwich instead unless you're there. And, in fact, we get that kind of comment all the time that a person is supposed to be getting pureed food and the family comes in and they find the sandwich there and they tell them over and over and over again, no, you can't do that, it's on the chart. Um, so the question is, you know, is the staff just not paying attention? Do they just not have time to look? Um, you know, if you go through com uh, the, the inspection reports, you'll find lots of issues like that where a person was supposed to be getting a certain type of food and is not getting the right one. And it can have very extreme consequences, whether it be because of allergies or the wrong texture where they can choke to death. Yeah, that's a common problem for people with dementia. Absolutely. And, and I think you're, you're really speaking to, to a, a larger problem here, which is that uh, often care facilities are understaffed and they don't have enough um, PSWs, personal support workers, to look after the number of residents. And, and I think in particular sometimes, and, and not saying it's the case here, but where you have a private care facility, there might be a bit of a temptation to, to cut corners if uh, a staff member calls in sick, perhaps not replacing them. And, and that puts even more pressure on the personal support workers. And and, and leaves the residents even more vulnerable. Do we need more guidelines about staffing ratios, ladies? There are no guidelines around staffing ratios. The but only guideline, the only thing in the legislation is that there must be an RN on staff at all times for personal support workers, which is the bulk of the work, the caregivers that are in the home. The, there is no amount that a home has to have. There is no ratio. The ministry leaves it up to the homes to determine uh, what they look at as the outcome. So they want you to be able to provide the appropriate outcome, and it's up to you to figure out how to do that. So there's no, you can't say, you know, this home has to have X number of staff per resident. And then, of course, that also it differs depending on the unit and the type of residence, etc. But do we need those guidelines or um, requirements? You know, uh, one of the things that QP has called for is uh, they they say that uh, the the chair of their health workers estimates that uh, there's uh, 2.5 hours a day per per um, per resident, and that that should be up to four hours. But um, as um, as Jane said, it's very much situation dependent. If you have you know a vulnerable person with say violent dementia, that's one situation. Somebody in a care facility who's just uh, you know otherwise competent but needs a little bit of help with uh, feeding themselves is a very different situation. Okay, but again, do you think that there that there should be more uh, you know stringent requirements? So, uh, in the past, I haven't actually been a big fan of that, but. Um, we are now suggesting that there be specific number of hours of care per day um, and to look at some of those ratios. Um, certainly the number of hours, I think, is important. What pr the problem with that is it becomes a ceiling and not a floor. So if it used to have, the legislation used to have a number of hours, 2.1 or something, um, and, and, and what people would do is say, oh, that person, you know, they're going to take longer than 2.1 hours, so then they can't come here. And it was meant to be the minimum, not the maximum. And that's always the danger when you put these numbers into legislation. Uh-huh. But, it, it, I mean, what if it was expressed a different way 
um, not in terms of what the resident need, but in terms of how many uh, care workers per how many residents the home has to provide. I mean, it's a fundamental problem. Do you measure outcomes or do you measure inputs? And it's easier to measure in inputs, but it's more important to measure outcomes. Uh, and and I don't know that we have the answer to that right now. Okay, yeah. let, let's uh, let's take a call from Margaret in Thornhill. Hello, Margaret. Okay, I haven't spoken to you for a long time, but this is a very important subject matter today. Okay, go ahead. Right. Okay, I'm a senior as well. My brother was a big surgeon in the States and a colonel, nevertheless, forget about that. Every senior, no matter what home they go into, should be treated properly. We have to have more qualified health, more nurses, because there is a shortage of nurses, lack of nurses. Now, in retirement homes, in the long term, whatever it may be, homes, uh, they get good money. They pay good money to be there. And they can't... uh, do anything at home, they're helpless. So uh, in turn, they go into nursing homes a long time. They have to be properly looked after. We have to have investigators from the Ontario, whatever it is, from the department, going in monthly to make sure each and every one has a proper medication, find out what they're having, look after them. These older people that are in their old uh, you know, retirement ages, and have served Canada with the type of work they've done. They should have proper care. And if we cannot give them the proper care, it should be closed down. Now, I'm very sad to hear about the eight people that uh, had died under the hands of Elizabeth, whatever her name is. Well, we don't. That's uh, the allegation. In 2007. Why, why didn't they do something about it during that time before she went any further? Well, killing them all. We don't. What we, was the purpose? We don't. We don't have that information. We don't know how they came we on that information. We have to gather the information to find out what was the purpose. We have to find out what kind of medication she gave them. What was the purpose to uh, exterminate them? You know what I mean? Well, so we are. We have to look after our seniors as best as we can, and not neglect them. Each and every one is very important to Canada. Okay. Thank you very much, Margaret. Um, ladies, uh, we uh, have to wrap things up now, but uh, are the kinds of suggestions you just heard, are they practical or uh, do we have to figure something else out? Well, I don't think it's practical to have the ministry come in and, and you know, every month and inject the, the, the medication. I don't think we'd ever get that. I do think we need the to find out what happened and then look at how we can tighten up that medication system. I think that is absolutely one. And one thing I did want to point out is that retirement homes are very different from long-term care homes. They're private pay and they're not health facilities, so you do pay big money for them. Long-term care homes are part of our health care system and and they're mostly funded by the government. Okay, Wanda, what would you like to leave us with? Uh, I think just that we should investigate this as as a crime. It shouldn't be mitigated by the age of the individuals or the health. We had, uh, you know, people that were uh, that were living, and and we should be very respectful of of, of that and, and and investigate this to the full extent uh, and make sure that whatever steps are necessary are taken so that it doesn't happen again. It, well, exactly, and I think Wanda uh, and Jane, that's a great point. Um, the age of the people involved does not mitigate this in any. Anyway. 
thank you both for joining us, uh, and I'm sure that uh, as the days go by, we will learn more about this terrible case. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.